Welcome to the podcast. I'm Joe Posnanski, and with me, uh, longtime friend Pat Forty of Yahoo Sports. And uh, there's a chance, I suppose, we'll talk a little bit of college football somewhere down the line in this thing. But uh, we're here in Omaha at the uh, U.S. Swimming Trials, and I'm here actually to talk to Pat about what it is like being a parent of uh, a couple. You have two, your daughter Brooke and your son Clayton, both qualified. Uh, Your oldest son Mitchell almost qualified. Yeah, missed by a whole tenth of a second. Which in swimming is like ten years, right? I mean, (laughs) so, first of all, I think it's the coolest thing. And, And obviously, you know, as a sports writer, you've been, you see it from one side so much and We've all interviewed the parents. We've all seen them. Uh, we sort of know what we're, they're going through because we just imagine it, but we don't really know what they're going through at all, do we? <laughs> Not unless you actually do have somebody swimming in this event. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's fantastic. It's it's a dream come true for my wife and I to have these kids here because because swimming has kind of been the framework of our life for, gosh probably 12 years now you know I mean it's something that the kids do every day and you know they get up early to do it and they come home after and we sit at the dinner table and we talk about it and then you know they do their homework and everything and then they get up and do it again and so it really is kind of the fabric of of our daily existence and it's been fun it's been incredibly rewarding um exciting we're extremely proud we've been wildly nervous it's been (laughs) stressful it was one of those things that we you've kind of been waiting and waiting waiting for so long for this to get here as i said you're almost sick of it by the time it actually gets here it's like oh would you please just swim you know but it's been great you know, it's it's there are several things I want to talk to you about with this. But one of the things we talked a little bit about yesterday. So, my daughter swam. Uh, she doesn't swim anymore because she realized that's really a lot of work. It's very hard to do. Uh, but she was never she never swam at a high level. She swam, you know, in the, the, the one of the many, many, many you know local swim meets that you had been to. Things oh, like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, you know, and she would swim three, four events, and, and it, was, it was cool and all that. And every time I would see a parent uh, whose, whose child won, there would be this, this sort of expression that they would, that they would it'd be on their face, but also sometimes they would shout it out, oh, my God, you're going to the Olympics. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you just won this local swim meet, so you're, you're awesome, you're going to the Olympics. And one of the things we talked about, and I'd, I'd love for you to sort of express through your own children, there are 10 million levels in swimming, right? I mean, I don't, I can't think of anything even, we, we talk maybe about tennis if you go all across the world, but United States swimming going from, you, you know, the best in your little local group to the best in your region, the best in your state, the best in your this and this and this. There are a million levels, aren't there? There are so many levels to it. And there is always someone better, unless you're Katie Ledecky or Michael Phelps. Always. It's, a, it's amazing. And that's that's the thing. You do see a lot of a lot of parents that that occasionally get a little bit maybe delusions of grandeur of, of how good their their little boy or girl is. And the great thing about the sport, it will provide a reality check for you. You know, and uh, yeah, they they can win those heat ribbons. And they, you know, I mean, there's that's so exciting and it's so pure at that level when they're little and it's the neighborhood meet. And you know they come out, they they won their little heat, and they come out with their heat ribbon, and they're so happy, and you're so happy, and that, I mean, in some ways, thinking back, that was exciting, as exciting as being here, because in that moment it meant a lot to them. 
But then, yeah, you move on, and your kids start swimming year-round, you're like, oh, geez, look at look how fast these kids are. Look how much they have to train. And then I, I definitely remember when our kids went to Lakeside Swim Club, our swim club in Louisville, it's, it's really good. And they first started training at the same time they were like 13, 14 as the national group, which was the oldest kids. And I was like, man, those kids are so good. Our kids are never going to be that good. And now they're the national group, and they're here, you know. And, and then our, you know, our kid goes to college, you're like, man, those kids are so good. And I'm watching those guys from the SEC come here to the Olympic trials, and they're getting their butts kicked by the older guys. So it's, it, is, it is astounding, the, yeah, the levels of, of excellence in American swimming. Yeah, that was the thing that really struck me, is there was one kid in our little local meet who was far and away the best. I mean, you know, there's one that just, you know, he's basically touching the wall when everybody's making the turn, the final turn, you know, way ahead of everybody. And, uh, you know, everybody's very proud of him. And that's another cool thing about the community is you get very proud about people, you know, who are in your group. And he came to the trials four years ago Mm -hmm. and finished 69th. 69th. (laughs) You know, and to imagine there are 68 people in our country that are better than that guy. I mean, the the levels are amazing. When did you know? First of all, how did it happen? I mean, you were not a swimmer. No, I mean, I swam like summer league till I was 15. I, you know, I enjoyed it. My, we we kind of had a swimming family. Both my brothers swam. My oldest brother swam. He was a freshman at Notre Dame, and then he he stopped. But uh, but so you know, I was around it, so I liked it. But then my wife was the real. T- she actually had talent. She she swam at Northwestern um, and swam growing up. She was really good, and so it became very natural. You know, we wanted to belong to a pool, and it became very natural. As soon as we had kids, they were in there, and the original goal was just to make sure they were safe in the water. So, you know, if, if we want to just lay in the lounge chair, we don't have to always be constantly worrying, where's Mitchell? Is he underwater? Is he, you know, so, uh, so that was good, uh, you know, just to get them grounded that way. But then, you know, they, they liked it. And we were at the pool five days a week and we we're playing and they'd swim and stuff. And so then we're like, oh, we'll put them on the team in the summer and just see how it goes. And they liked it and they were pretty good. And it just kind of kept building from there. You know, Trisha basically taught him how to swim herself because she could do that. We didn't have to do a bunch of lessons and everything. And and it just, you know, one thing just kind of led to another. And they just keep figuring out, oh, they're, they're good enough for this step. They're good enough for the next step. They're good enough for the next step. So that's how it happened. Well, I was going to say, when did you know? I mean, Mitchell was the first. So when did you know with Mitchell and then, and then you know, obviously going to Clayton and then Brooke seems yeah. to be in, in many ways the, the best of them all sure. in, in some ways. Um when did you know with each of them how good they really were? Uh, it's interesting. Like Mitchell, we knew he we knew he was summer club good um, pretty early on. You know, right? I mean, he was like seven when we first started, and he was competitive. And you know, like when he was eight, I think he could win the little league championship and some stuff. Uh, and then Clayton was a little better than he was. Like when Clayton was six, he was he was pretty good. He, like he, I think he went might have gone the whole summer without losing. Um, and then Brooke came along, and it was just, it was very it was different. She she could do butterfly like when she was six. I mean, like the boys couldn't do that. And so with her, I was like, okay, this is this is different. And she started with the year round team. And when she was seven, she won the state championship in the fifty butterfly. And I'm like, wow, a seven eight, that's great. And then I remember six months later, this was funny. Uh, we're at the University of Kentucky at a meet, and she wins the fifty butterfly and sets the state record. And I just jump up and yell, that's the state record. And my wife looks at me like, 
what is wrong with you? And all these other people turn around like, what is wrong with him? So I was over exuberant from that point. And uh, I, it meant a lot to me. Sure. I'm not sure it meant a lot to anybody else watching. But so, you know, from that point on, you're like, okay, she's pretty good. It's, it's, such, a, it's such a cool thing. But, and I've written about this from my own perspective, and I'm watching my kids uh, compete at a, you know, a low level, you know, just, just for fun. But it blows me up as a parent. I, I've been watching them, uh, watching watching my youngest play basketball in fifth grade basketball. I'm losing my mind, my mind. And, I mean, it, I mean, the score, final score is going to be whatever, eighteen to sixteen or whatever. Uh, but I'm losing my mind because I, as a parent, you want so badly. Yeah. You've had to do this a thousand times over the last twelve years. I mean, yeah. how, what does it do to you? Oh, you know, it's it's funny. I mean, it really, it can be wildly nerve-wracking. Uh, we all, you know, we have this group of parents, and we travel to all the meets and everything, and we all kind of make fun of each other, you know, about we're all nuts, and we're all, you know, we, we kind of try to decide week to week who's the most nuts, you know. Uh, and so, yeah, you get really caught up in it. And the certain, certain obviously, the bigger the meet, the, the more, you know, the, the more they're expected to do well. You just want them to feel like, okay, I... I'm happy with how I did, um, but you feel the expectations for them to a degree. And you're like, gosh, I, you know, and like when Brooks was seated first at the Junior Nationals, and all of a sudden it's like, oh gosh, you know, she was always the one shooting for everybody else, and now she's the top dog, and she handled it well. But we were very nervous for her, and so it's, um, yeah, it's it's nerve wracking. Uh, you know, I've actually, it's funny, Joe. I've I've kind of developed my own ways to to handle it. Like I I write down every split. Because that gives me something to do other than go, oh, my God! You know, so it, I, I'm at least busy doing something, you know. And I'll, I'll slap the program in my hand a little bit. Uh, but one of the things, one of the beautiful things, because my kids have played other sports, they can't hear you when you are the parent yelling at them. They can't, you can't hear you say, you know, block out, <laughs> pass the ball, you know. So it's, it's great. We are completely useless non-factors which is the way it should be in youth sports the parents don't matter at all yeah no i mean it's it's so true i mean it's always funny because you have people screaming when they like when they're doing the breaststroke and they pop their heads out and people are screaming and they're they can't hear you they're they're just they're swimming leave leave them alone they're in the water you know and i know from my own standpoint because i swam and i was a when i swam i was a breaststroker and all you hear is "Ah, ah, ah," you don't know who it is you don't know what they're i mean there's no you're, you get this, this little sliver of volume. You know, you're not hearing anything that's going to help. No, no. It's but it's so, it's so much fun. So, yeah. as a sports writer, yes. you've been around the biggest things in the world. I mean, we've been together at, at many of the biggest, you know, things. I've, you, we were there for Tiger in 2000, and Tiger, and mm-hmm. when he, you know, wins on one leg, and horse racing. You were there for the Triple Crown, and yep. and compare that feeling. Not, I mean, it's it's nothing like it personally. Obviously, I mean, there's no personal connection. Yeah. But compare that feeling of being in the middle of it with your child to to writing about it. Yeah, it's so much better, so much <laughs> deeper, so much more fun with your kids. You know, it's it is it is nerve wracking, but at the same time, it is you are just purely in it with them. You know what. As you know, when you're at the big event, you are constantly thinking, what's the column? What's the column? What's the column? 
you know, and you can get swept up. I mean, I I did jump to my feet during the Auburn kick six at sure. Alabama. I was like, I can't believe I'm seeing this. When Chris Jenkins makes the shot at the Final Four this year, I jumped to my feet because I was like, I can't believe this. But at the same time, then you're immediately like, all right, what am I writing? You know, with this, it's like, you know, you are you're very emotionally invested. And you take a lot of nerves and a lot of pride and everything to it. And then you're just, you just want to see their face afterwards. And how are they? Are they really happy? You know, you know you're happy. And, and, and you want to share that with, with your family and your friends and then with them. And it's, it's just, it's very different from the analytical side of it, you know, as a, as a writer. Well, one of the things I've noticed, though, is when you go from the Super Bowl to to watching, you know, especially when they're very young. I mean, obviously, we're here at the Super Bowl of swimming. I mean, so it's different. But when they're very, very young, you see people screaming, and in your mind, you go, okay, you know, obviously, I'm invested in this, but I realize this isn't yeah. Big time, right? right. You know, yeah. this is this is fun, and this is for you know. And there's a perspective that comes with that. I mean, I I always can remember going uh, with my youngest to soccer, and there was one particularly exuberant parent who really thought they would. I mean, that, that their son was going to be you know on the World Cup team like next year. You know, he was seven, and but I mean, you just they don't. It's hard to sense really the you know, how big it gets, you know. Totally. But now you've actually, you've gone with your child to the, as yeah. about, I mean, this is probably one of the things that we talked about here that's so interesting is these people, for the most part, they're, they're I mean, obviously they want to be Olympic medalists, Olympic gold medalists, but their dream is to be on the Olympic team. Absolutely. That's why they're here. Yeah, and you heard Chase Kaler say that after winning the 400 IM. He hadn't even, you know, he's just maybe had this vague dream of being on an Olympic podium, but he wants to be an Olympian. Yeah. And that's it in this sport, as, you know, especially American swimming. And I've said this a million times. I've said this to people and trying to explain because they always say, are you kids going to the Olympics? And I say, no, no. I mean, they're going to college and hopefully they're going to the Olympic trials. And, hey, here we are with that. But, but the, you can be unbelievably good. You could be one of the five or ten best in the world at what you do and be a nobody nope. in this nation. And that's that's fine. That's the way it is. People like what they like. But I, that's, I have a great respect for those swimmers that, that are quote-unquote nobodies who are extremely good at what they do because it's hard. And now, I mean, I know the sport from the inside. And so, I mean, it's unbelievable admiration for them. But, but yeah, that, like this year, you know, Sunday night they swam 400 IM. It was their first events. And that was a different level of both anxiety and pride than anything else they've ever swam. Because it's like, oh my gosh, they are going to swim in the Olympic trials. You know, and I remember walking in the building Thursday because I'm, I'm credentialed so I could come in and, and just looking at the pool and I was like, oh boy. <laughs> and then seeing them in the pool and they're in lane five and Phelps is in lane four. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. You know, and so the cool factor is there. But then when it's time for them to swim, you're just like, oh. Please have it go well. Please have it go well. And it didn't go great the first time around because, you know, my daughter's coming off meningitis, which is not a great preparation no. thing for swimming the 400 IM. She did her best. She did, you know, very well. She was in the top 15. But, you know, if she had been healthy, I think there's a chance she could have swam in the final and had a lane and had a chance at the whole dream. But uh, just to have her in there, I mean, it, was, it was a goosebump moment, and then my son too, whose you know expectations were very different. But but he's here, and he's I mean, I was nervous for him, but then just so happy that he had the chance. Well, it's the coolest thing. I mean, you know, and one of the things that we talked about. So, uh, in addition to obviously your own 
children, you're around lots of these swimmers and you've seen them grow up and watch them. Yeah. We were talking about this. I want you to sort of just take us through it. But there was a kid, uh, a young man from Texas, yeah. who absolutely was not expected to to uh, to go to the Olympics and went out and just, I mean, he, he, he was, what, a second or two seconds ahead of the world record pace after 200 in the 400 yeah. IM. Uh, 400 freestyle, yeah. Mm -hmm. The 400 freestyle, rather. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, two seconds ahead of the world record pace. He dies, he fades, as, as you would. But to watch something like that, because nobody will ever know his name, I mean, yeah. in the in the grander sports world, but to watch somebody like that who's, that's his dream, just to go for it like that, I mean, it's really inspiring. It was thrilling. It really was. And, and yes, I, we have a long backstory with the family. Uh, his name is Clark Smith. He's a very talented guy. He's six foot nine. His <laughs> mother, Tori Treese Smith, uh, was a bridesmaid in our wedding. My wife grew up. They were best friends growing up. They went to all the meets together. They practiced together. They spent the night at each other's house constantly. And her husband is John Smith, who was an All-American at Texas. They both were All-Americans at Texas. And, and so, I mean, we have just, we have known them forever. And, you know, they, we, you know, when we go to Colorado, we stay with them. When they come to Kentucky, they stay with us and that sort of thing. So it's, it's wonderful. To, and, yeah, I mean, super excited for him. And then to see him go for it. Yeah was just great and you know and he, and he you know, quote unquote died with his boots on you know he left it they, he, he's ne he didn't come out of that saying if only I tried a little harder you know he went yeah. for it and it didn't happen but he still has another couple chances you know he's he's well qualified in the 200 freestyle he's going to be entered in the mile uh, so you never know but but yeah that's that's you see these kids here that this is their dream this is the culmination of their athletic lives and some of them it's just like i am leaving it all in that pool right now it's awesome it is awesome i i wrote about this the other thing that's awesome is seeing these these kids make and they're kids i mean for to us you know i, I was thinking about you know i saw last time i saw brooke she was she was five she was literally five she was babysitting my my little she was two at the time or whatever um but but you know they're kids but they built their entire lives around this around getting to the olympics i mean it's the biggest dream they've ever had sure. is to get to the olympics to see them obviously to see them not get there is is heartbreaking but to see the ones that do get there, it, there's nothing like it. I think there isn't. I, I I agree with you. That that's being here to watch just those finals and watch those two people make it. And you know Chase Kalish in the 400 IM, who had been anointed for that spot basically for four years by Michael Phelps, his mentor, and and for, for him to come through when it looked for you know for a year or so, I was like, eh, I'm not sure he's going to live up to it. And then he does, and the excitement from him. And then Jay Litherland, who is nobody to most people, but he, he's one of these three triplets. And they're all these really nice, polite kids. And he's a little guy. He's not very impressive physically. And he throws down this epic closing 100 freestyle to make the team. And his brothers jump out of the stands to embrace him afterwards. And they all get in trouble for trespassing on the deck. And blah, blah. I mean, but that's it. That's what you want. Maya Dorado, who is just an absolute gem of a person, you know, who qualifies and she's in tears for like an hour afterwards because she's so overcome with emotion. And, and, you know, yeah, that, that, that's, those are the stories. These are why we like covering the Olympics is the stories like that. Because these are literal life, lifetime dreams that may come around just once. It's not like if you're a football player and you get 10 seasons or whatever, you may get a couple of Olympics. I mean, Michael Phelps is an extreme outlier. Very Most extreme. of these guys, 
This is your moment in the sun right here, right now. Yeah, you have one real shot where you are of exactly the right age, exactly the right physical you know, condition. And there's another thing that this has reminded me of, and, and, and I think this is really good. Obviously, all we've heard for the last six months is what a fiasco Rio is, right? Right. I mean, all we've heard about is, you know, obviously Zika and corruption and crime and all these other things. And then you see in, in sports that have... Uh, real popularity like golf and, and tennis and basketball you see people pulling out and you hear like oh you know the olympics what a, it's going to be a disaster and this then you come here and you remember this is really what it's about right it's not it's not about golf i mean you know that's fine that they have it in the olympics but that's not what it's about it's a there's not a kid here that's going to say no i'm not going to the olympics <laughs> there is no way if you after you know bleeding, sweating, whatever, to just to get here and you get into the top two, there is nothing they could put in for you. You could say that you have to swim past a firing squad to get into Rio. They're like, fine, I'll hold my breath. I can do it. You know, I mean, there's, there's nothing. There's no mosquito. There is no criminal element. There's no anything that's going to keep them from going to Rio de Janeiro. There's absolutely no way. And it's going to be the same with wrestling and volleyball and rowing and all those sports where this is the most important thing in these guys' athletic lives. They're not going to let anything get in the way of it. Well, what do you think about that? I mean, you know, obviously the Olympics is a big, huge, mm-hmm. you know, and we want it to be. We want it to be as big a tent as you can because it's, it's a great event that way. But I have always had this theory that if it's not the biggest event in your sport, it shouldn't be an Olympic sport. I mean, yeah. the, you know, for tennis, and tennis is kind of – Cool. You haven't really heard many people, tennis people, pulling out because right. they've sort of looked at that as sort of their fifth Grand Slam event, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. Yep. But golf, they don't care. Basketball, they don't really care. And you know, baseball, of course, pulled out and all of that. Uh, what do you think? I mean, do you, yeah. when you look at the Olympics, no, I, I think it's a really good point. You know, because then you would get people that that I, you know, they would be incredibly grateful uh, at the top of their physical and mental abilities you know i mean it would you would, this would be everything they would be pointing towards as opposed to it being a an added burden to their you know to their professional schedule all right you know and for the most part i mean look basketball players and golfers are probably the richest of all olympians i you know maybe there's some others i don't know tennis players i'm sure a few but but so this is just you know this is just kind of like eh I'm I make it a medal out of it why does that really matter that much and there's some that does matter you know and some love to to play for the flag or whatever but for the most part and you see this with the basketball players you know especially it's, it's if you've already done it a couple of times and I don't necessarily blame them your season is really long and really hard and all of a sudden now you're gonna put in X number more weeks. Okay, but then you're right. Then maybe this maybe this shouldn't be in the Olympics. Maybe maybe we do something and, and find the sports and the athletes that really want to be there. Yeah, I mean, I you know, not to want to go too deep into the golf thing, but they already have the Ryder Cup too. You know what I mean? Absolutely. They already have a world thing yeah. where they do represent the flag. I always thought if they're going to do these kinds of things, basketball's tougher. I mean, basketball mm-hmm. does have a nice history and and yeah. and you know, and it and is it is a great international sport. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. So, you know, I mean, it's in some ways it's great that they let the professionals in. In some ways, it was probably much more meaningful to guys in college and all that. But you can go back and forth. Golf, it seems to me, if you're going to do it, do it in a different way from anything else in golf, right? I mean, don't turn it into a medley, like yeah, who, who, medal round. Who cares? No. You know. All right. So before I'm going to ask you a quick college football question, before I do that, yep. 
Brooke's still uh, swimming a, a couple more events here, uh, but you've already Clayton's swum his one event, and yeah. Mitchell is here with you as uh, you know working for USA Swimming. So what, where are your where are your feelings now? The big stuff seems to have passed, but where yeah. are you right now? Uh, it's interesting. I mean, like. Last night, I think we were a little bit kind of emotionally flat. You know, it was like <laughs> we had had the huge buildup, and then they swam, and, you know, and my wife and I were both kind of like, ah, okay, now what? You know, I mean, it's just like there had been so much put into that moment, and now, you know, I, then I think I woke, like, I woke up today, and it's like, oh, you know, now we just enjoy the heck out of this. You know, this is so fun, and we get, do get to see her swim three more times, and, you know, via the psych, she, she should have a chance to to maybe get into a semifinal in the 200 IM, but you know, if she can't swim up to it because the meningitis, she clearly, she clearly was not ready to swim at her best in the 400 IM. Chances are she may not be at her best in the others. So, you know what, just let it happen and then go from there and enjoy it and let them come and watch the other events and see the great swimmers and, and soak it up and hopefully come away from this saying, that was so fun, I can't wait to do it again in 2020. Yeah, I thought that was one of the coolest things you said was that the biggest, your biggest, fear was that your kids would not enjoy this that they would yeah. be too nervous or too psyched up or too whatever but your sense of it now what, what do you think do you think they're having a blast oh there yeah yeah absolutely i mean brooke last night you know was watching the races and she came down to the mix zone and talked to mitchell and i and you know she really enjoyed seeing those seeing the 400 im you know even, even though she wasn't in there and it was part of her saying guy could have been she enjoyed watching it and uh and then clayton he's hilarious he's the swimming junkie uh and so he was in the first heat of the B flight of the 400 IM right before that was the last fastest heat of the men's hunter breaststroke prelims. And so Kevin Cordes swims this great race and Clayton, you know, I'm talking to him 20 minutes after his race. I'm like, Hey buddy, great job. Blah, 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 blah. And he goes, yeah, thanks. I almost got to see Kevin Cordes set the American record right in front of me. I mean, so he's kidding a candy store. He cannot be happier. And now he's he doesn't have to race anymore. He may do a couple time trials, but there's no pressure. He can enjoy the heck out of this. All right. It's, it's, it's such a blast. Such a blast. All right. Quick college football question. Yes. Uh, all right. First of all, your top five for this year. <laughs> oh, Go boy. ahead. You have to do it right now in the middle of a swim meet. I'm asking you for your top five. I can give you my top five for the men's 200 IM. <laughs> uh, no, let's, um, I'm going to say... And honestly, I have done no research on this. Yeah, I'm looking for a general top five. Yeah, I'm going to go default Alabama, number one. Uh, I'm going to say Clemson, number two. Boy, that's original one, too. They're the same as last year. Um, I'm going to say LSU, number three. What the heck? I'm going to say... Michigan, number four, which is probably ridiculous. And Notre Dame, number five. I like it. That probably will not be anywhere near what it comes out. It probably won't be your top five when the actual football season starts. When I actually (laughs) start looking at something and do a little bit of research, no. But where do you stand? I mean, so the last, you know, obviously we now have the playoff and all that. I assume you love it. Uh, Where is it going from here? I mean, because is that going to get expanded eight teams? You would think so, you know, and it's funny because you remember back with the with the BCS people who said we're never having a playoff, we're never having a playoff. Well, lo and behold, we have a playoff, and then we're never expanding the playoff. So you figure they will eventually expand the playoff. It may take ten years. I don't know. Um, I, I hope they do. I think six would be a good number and play the first rounds in uh, in on on campus. They'll never play them on campus because they can get too much money in it. But 
but I would love to see it that way because you're going to get the champions of all power, all five power five conferences, and then just one other bid that everybody's scrambling for. Um, but and then give two top two teams a buy. Yeah, uh huh. Right, top two teams get a buy, and the other four play, and then then you advance to a final four, uh, and you can have those wherever you want. The same thing, but I'd, it'd be so much fun to have them on campus. I think that would be great. They they won't, but uh, I, I hope that it does expand. It'll probably end up being eight, but I think six would be fun. Yeah, I mean, I kind of think at this point, now that we have a playoff, I mean, because it felt a little flat to me, really, yeah. you know, and, and partly because you are completely missing out on the campus stuff, which right. I think is a huge, huge part of college football. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, I mean, I don't know, I'm not going to say they didn't pick the right four teams. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's obviously a, an argument everybody has, but it's you have to pick four teams. You know what I mean? I mean, you're, you know there are going to be two that are right, and the other two, who the heck knows, right. you know? Yeah. So so it would be much better, I think, if you had, hey, you're the champion of your league, you're in. You know what I'm saying? It's just mm-hmm. more of an ad- automatic mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. I'll leave it with this, with Michigan, because you mentioned Michigan. Is he the best coach going? I mean, to, have that, to turn that Michigan team around yeah. that quickly. Yeah, I mean, they were a mess before a mess. he got there. And even the first game I saw them against uh, Utah, and I was like, and, and there were so many Michigan fans that came to that game, and they were all like, oh, we are back, baby. <laughs> we're back. And then you watch them going, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're going to be 6-6, six and 5-7. Six, and seven. And then I went the next week and saw them against Oregon State, and I was like, God, they got that much better that fast. <laughs> and then they just kept getting better. I was like, oh, my God, he really is good. Really good. Why? What, what makes him so good? From what I've talked to some people like, I mean, who know him extremely well, He's an insatiable competitor who breeds competitiveness. Like, everything they do in practice is a competition. Everything. You know, it's all built around, you are going to try to be better than him, and you know, at every position. And it just breeds this kind of this ferocity and this, you know, kind of an insatiable attitude of, I've got to be better than the guy across from me. And I think it just, it feeds from that across a bigger dynamic. And he, look, he's cocky as hell. Yep. Uh, and I think, I think that's not a bad thing. You know, I mean, in, in terms of, of uh, he, he doesn't see any reason why they shouldn't be good immediately. He doesn't see any reason why he shouldn't poke Nick Saban in the eye the way he used to poke Pete Carroll in the eye. So it, it works. Yeah, I, I, I find the competitive thing. He is the most hyper-competitive person, I think, in sports right now. I mean, I think it was, it was for a long time, obviously, it was Michael Jordan was that guy that you're just like, yeah, you... That's the one guy you don't want to play in anything because no, he's no. nuts. He's, oh, he's, he's crazy. Nuts. Yes. <laughs> did, you, did you hear the story that came out about him punching, was it Jim Kelly? You know, where Jim Kelly said something he didn't like about him on TV. So he ended up, the next time he sees him, he just goes up and starts a fight with him. I mean, he's crazy. But you know what? I mean, I bet the kids love playing for him. I bet. You know, I mean, I would think that is – I, I, I I would like to be in the locker room before a big game. I bet they're all just like so amped they can't even see. Yeah, well, because my feeling had always been, you know what, Urban Meyer's going to win as long as he wants at Ohio State because, yes. you know, he's great at what he does, and now he has Ohio State behind him, and, you know, assuming he doesn't burn out or whatever, he can win as long as he wants. And the whole the whole dynamic has changed when you throw in, uh, when you throw in the guy. Totally. Yeah, and that, that's, I mean, obviously, you, you and I, having grown up when we did, the Ohio State Michigan rivalry was as good as it got, you know, and Bo and Woody and everything, and there, and it, for it to be back would be really cool. And you can't even discount Michigan State too. As I oh, mean, sure. That, I mean, so the the Big Ten has gone from being unbelievably uninteresting and uncompetitive to fascinating. So I love covering it. Yeah, it really is fun. 
Pat, I can't thank you enough for taking the time and uh, have a blast. Have an absolute. I mean, right? I mean, this is you, this is a, you, it. Might happen again for you someday in four years, but to think that you're there with your kids—that's got to be the greatest feeling. Thank you. It is. It's been wonderful, and yeah, we'll love the rest of the week.